if you would, open up with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. John 3. We continue our uh, short Advent uh, sermon series, uh, uh, moving through some specific words. Uh, we have done uh, words like hope and peace. Now we're coming to a word that uh, I think is, is sometimes used in a lot of different ways. Love. And yet, uh, to stick with our sermon series, remember we're moving from definition and feeling to definite experience. Because a lot of people can define love. And I think that we probably might have a lot of different definitions depending on who you are. Uh, there could be some cheesy ways that you can do it. There could be the, the media way that you could do it. There could be the advertising way that you could do it. A lot of other ways as well. And there could be a biblical way that you can do it. And yet, uh, as I have mentioned uh, previous times, it's so important for us, especially as believers in God, to realize that definitions will never cut it for us. We can define what love is all we want and still have no love. The same goes for feeling. We can feel love and then not feel love. Uh, we can feel very joyful and then not. We can feel very comfortable and then not. Feelings wax and wane, ebb and flow, push and pull, rise and lower. Feelings are not definitive. Feelings are not foundational. And if we try to build something like our faith or our worldview, our belief system, our identities on what it means to feel right, or to feel good, we should then heed Jesus' words that we're building on a foundation of sand and not on a foundation of God and His Word. Jesus preached that in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. That was His sermon conclusion. Check it out if you're unfamiliar with those words. So what does it mean then when we come to a word like love? Such a loaded word then to transition ourselves from definition and from feeling to definite experience. Uh, John 3.16 is going to help us get there. Uh, maybe if you're a good southern church raised person, you know John 3.16. But do you really know it? Have you really experienced it? Our main point this morning is this, that, that God's love establishes relationship. This is not a definition then. It's an experience. How do you define what a relationship is? You experience it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll read God's word. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. And so God, as, as it's read now, we behold perfection, for this is your very word. A word that you have given, a word that you have preserved, a word that you desire for us to know, that we might experience relationship with you. So God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would break us in our very souls, away from the world, and pull us right to you, into the light, away from the dark, towards righteousness, away from wickedness, all that we might glorify you for your name's sake. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This is John chapter 3, verse 16. You may notice that uh, it's not, as the bulletin says, 16 through 21. Uh, it's my fault. I, I started at verse 16, and then we stopped at verse 16. So, uh, this is John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. And for this, we praise our God. Three points to help us to see what it was that I was mentioning. That main point, that God's love establishes relationship. And that is a relationship between God and humanity. A relationship between God and yourself, myself. A personal relationship with God. Three points. Limitless love. Love's choice is point number two. And then number three is love's freedom. Let's dive right into the first part of John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. Point number one, limitless love. I made mention of it briefly just a moment ago. God is the creator of the universe. God has no bounds. No matter how hard we try, you cannot put God in a box. In fact, even God's own word that he has willingly give, uh, given to us uh, is but uh, barely scratching the surface of who he is. If you were curious how I might say something like that, it comes at the end of the Gospel of John, where the Apostle John himself says, man, if I were to write all the stuff that Jesus did, well, it would take all the books and all the libraries in the whole world, right? I just don't have enough time. I guess I'll have to get to heaven first and start writing for eternity to show you who God is. Uh, for my mathematicians and my engineers, I know that I've used this illustration before, but when you think about the concept of infinity, where are y'all at? Where are my college students at? Infinity, right? He's like, yeah, that's how much work I feel like I have to do. Uh, infinity. Uh, for for ma uh, math majors, I was close to being a math major, but I'm a pastor now. How funny that is. Uh, if you're looking mathematically at infinity, and then you make something else chasing infinity, what never happens? You never catch infinity. And even if you were graphing towards it, you would get close, but you would never get all the way there. God is infinity. You can never fully know God, but it doesn't mean that you can't keep learning about Him. Why do we get an eternity with God? It's so we can keep growing closer to Him. And those infinitesimal decimal points, not the tenth or the hundredth or the thousandth or the ten thousandth or the one millionth or the one hundred millionth, y'all know what I mean. Think about that, how many decimal points that would be. Where are my phones at? Google what a one hundred millionth of, a, of one percent is and see how many zeros that is, right? And then keep pulling it out. Keep going. Even those infinitesimal moments when we see God's limitless character, therefore his limitless love, when we begin to see that, even those moments will be massive in the eyes of the Christian who loves God. As we learn just one more one hundred millionth of a percent of who God is, it's like a whole new world has been opened to us for another eternity. And so eternity stacks upon eternity as we worship and praise God in heaven for all ages. Wrap your mind around that if you can. God's limitless love then. When God so loved the world, 
You can't put God's love in a box because God's love is limitless and he loves the world. But this shows a necessary second point, that there is a choice when it comes to love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There is choice when it comes to love. When I do premarital counseling, there are some in here that have gone through my premarital counseling. There are some here who have gone through my marital counseling, and that's okay. And good and needed, by the way. One thing that we remember and remind each other of in such sessions is the reality that we can't fall for the world's trick that we fall head over heels and in love. That's just not how it works. It sells really well, and it's fun to read. I like it too, but that's not how love works. Love is a choice. I choose my wife, Rebecca, and Rebecca chooses her husband, Jeremiah, and we choose one another every second of every day for all of our marriage, and God willing, all the way till death do us part, and when we don't, we repent. That's what marriage is as God stipulates it. Ephesians 5, for instance, if you wanted to go and see did you get postscripts? We'll be in Ephesians soon. If you haven't gotten postscripts, read it or I'll send it to you and you can check it out. Love, love involves a choice. And, and what is God's choice? For God so loved the world that he, if I were to add, chose to send his only son. This is not compulsion. God the Father was not compelled by his creation. This was a willing choice out of love. In fact, God the Son was not compelled by God the Father. God the Father and God the Son, alongside God the Spirit, uh, they are not three gods. They are three persons of the same God. They're one God, co-equal in power and majesty and glory. No, as I was mentioning to you how big and how giant and how monumental the Lord is, let's pause for a moment and try it again. Let's go all the way back before creation existed, before time existed, when there was fellowship only with God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. It was perfect fellowship outside of creation. And as this God had existed, a plan existed and was agreed upon, no compulsion necessary, God said, Son, I will send you. And Son Jesus said, Yes. I will go. And Holy Spirit said, yes, I will do the work of accomplishing that salvation within the souls of that which will be created. Our creation. Genesis, if you recall, one, two, and three. We got to get them out of the garden. Why? Lest they look like us. God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. Yes, it's a royal we, but in this sense, it's not multi-personality. It's God's chosen revelation of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. It's what we confess as Christians. And yes, that already in and of itself is difficult. And yet, God makes a choice for his people, knowing that we would be weak and not like him. We would not be perfect. We would be imperfect. And if we be imperfect, 
We cannot be near perfection. Because if we were to come into perfection, uh, that is, into the unadulterated presence of God without a mediator, the sending of the Son, it would be really bad for us. Really bad. We know that from instances like, for instance, Deuteronomy chapter 5, where Moses thinks back on when God revealed himself and gave his Ten Commandments, and he blocked off the mountain. Why? Because if you step into my presence, you're going to die. And so God, in his grace, gated off the mountain. Have we ever thought about that? What did he tell Moses when that bush was burning? Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he just let Moses get punished? It's because God is not uh, in the punishing business first. God's choosing to love. Love is a choice. And God chooses to give a son. The son chooses to go. And the spirit chooses to do his work for us. This is why Christians rejoice at the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. This is why we rejoice at the baptism of infants. Because God is doing a work, as he has said, for thousands of years. But this necessarily lends us then into the third point. Because not only do we see limitless love, that is God and his love extending to the world. Not only do we see that God is choosing He's choosing in this path of love to send his own son. We also see that there is a, a freedom in love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Sometimes I come across an argument. Oh, you're a pastor. I say, yes. I say, do you believe in that Bible thing? I say, yeah, I believe in the Bible thing. You know what? Do you have a question, right? And sometimes the question arises. Well, aren't you just believing that you're a robot? If God's in control, we got a God out here somewhere, right? The old man in the sky playing chess with our lives. I said, no, I don't believe that. Well, why not? So can I read to you John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I read the other verses. I was going to preach on this, but we'll just use it to help us with 16. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn, but in order that the world might be saved. Because we've got a problem, right? Everybody would recognize we have a problem. Just watch the news. We don't know what the problem is, but we know there's a problem. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Where's the choice lie? Is it God's choice or your choice? God is sovereign. Our denomination, the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, is known for a lot of things. But the thing that keeps me planted right here and preaching every Sunday here rather than somewhere else is God's free offer of the gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ. He freely offers to the world. His love is limitless. You can't limit God. Never put him in a box. And so he extends his hand and says, will you believe in me? I will give you my son. My only son. Will you believe? And the choice is yours. 
always. Love's freedom. God chooses, and he gives us the moment. And this is the moment right here where we transition from definition and feeling and when we begin to transition to definite experience because what happens is that as we say yes Lord and we know we know from elsewhere in Scripture that the Holy Spirit gives us that gift of faith and belief because we need help and we always stray like children in the dark crying and yet as we believe it's no longer a definition. It's no longer a feeling. It's a definite experience. You know, sometimes I get on a, a tear and I'll say things like, can you write the gospel? Can you write the gospel down? If I were to put a piece of paper under your seat and you were to pull it out and I was going to say, I'm going to give you a quiz. Can you write the gospel down? That's dangerous. Sometimes. It's good to know the gospel. But does writing the gospel save you? Does writing John 3.16 on a piece of paper save you? Or does a definite experience from the Lord to you and from you to the Lord save you? A righteous husband and wife. How do you define a relationship like that? I've, uh, I've recently lost uh, the majority of my grandparents. Uh, many of them having relationships uh, into the 30, 40, 50, 60 year range. I look at some that have 60, right? Uh, yeah, 60. No? Close though, right? No? Oh, did you say 71? 71. How do, you, how do you define, how do you define seven decades? Is it a definition? Is it a feeling? No way. It's an experience. It's an experience. Good and ill, joy and sorrow, hardships and vacations, smiles, frowns, Christmas tree after Christmas tree, Cars and cars and children, not children. Bone breaks, coughs, hugs, laughs, kisses. That's an experience. And that's why Paul tells us that husband and wife is like Jesus and the church. That's why we see elsewhere that father and mother and children is like God the Father and His people. It's because it's a definite experience and we see it in just a glimpse. It's like a foggy mirror. You're thinking, I think I can see this. I think I can, I think I can experience this, but it's closer to feeling. But the longer you get, the more you know. And the more you see why God set these things up the way he did. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Which then circles us back around to that limitless love. 
Because all over again we choose God. And we say, I want to know a little bit more about you, God. I see you a little bit more and I love you a little bit more and I never thought about that a little bit more and I'm going to think on that a little bit more and I see now a sin a little bit more and I'm going to move away from that sin a little bit more and I'm going to keep trying a little bit more but I know that you have to save me fully and wholly over and over. Not more, but God, please. It's an established relationship with God. But the question I've got to ask is do you have that. Not the definition, not the feeling, the experience. And if you don't, would you ask for it? Because that's all you have to do. God's freely offering his own son Jesus, a Jesus that we're celebrating, who's coming to this world. This is God we're talking about, and now he's a baby. Oh, baby's gone. In need of a bottle, right? Alice came in, sucking on the bottle. Jesus came in, sucking on the bottle. This is God we're talking about. That's limitless love. If you want a mind bender, think about the God that existed before creation. And now think about God needing a bottle. Whew. That's the gospel. Two applications to finish this out. Uh, this gives us uh, this reality. Of, of God establishing a relationship with us, of our capability to experience relationship with God. It gives us a freedom, anxiety-free, worry-free capability to grow ourselves, to help others grow, and to evangelize. How do I share uh, the good news of the Lord Jesus? That was once asked of me by an elder in our church who was going to minister to a man on his deathbed. There was only maybe 30 to 45 seconds that he had. And he said, what do I say? This man doesn't believe. And I said, tell him to believe in Jesus and then read John 3.16 and we'll see what the Lord does. You don't need to worry. God is in control. God has limitless love. God has chosen to love and God has given a freedom and God works. And so what did he do? He said, hey, you need to believe in Jesus. You're getting close to dying. And I don't want you to go there. I want you to go here. And let me read to you something. John 3, 16. And the man put his faith in Christ that day. I can tell you stories like that over and over. It's not anxiety-inducing. It's not worry-inducing. It's not scary. It's not, I don't know if I know all of the Bible like you, Jeremiah. It's not like that. Because no matter how many definitions you give, no matter how many feelings you give, no matter how many songs I try to get Judy to play that'll rise your heart to the moment where you want to praise God, it'll never work. It'll never work. Because that's not how salvation works. It's an experience, a relationship with God. And when it happens, it happens and you know it. And so we don't worry about those other things. We worry about making sure we're doing the right thing. And the right thing isn't converting people because I'm not God. And if you think I am, you're barking up the wrong tree. And most of y'all who know me know that. <laughs> One way or the other. No, we don't have to worry or be anxiety-filled for such things. 
Not for our children, not for our grown children who are prodigaling off somewhere, not uh, for our little babies, uh, not for our grandparents if we want to flip the script. No, for none of those things. God is working if we but be faithful and righteous moving forward. But that's the question I have to ask again. Because if you are seeing God's limitless love, if you are seeing God's choice for you, then you have a moment of choosing. The time has come for us at Centennial and for Christendom at large, the 21st century, to stop blaming others for what we're choosing. If you don't want to read your Bible, just tell me. You don't have to lie. To yourself. You are the one who chooses that. If you don't want to pray and you don't want to commit that time to prayer, you don't have to. You have the choice. You choose. If you don't want to come to church, as far as I know, in my five-year tenure here, I've never said that church can save any one of you. It's just an outpouring and desire of who we are. We should want to be in church. We should choose to be in church. But if you don't want to, that's a you thing, not a me thing. If you don't want to do these things as father and mother, don't. If you don't want to as grandfather and grandmother, don't. Great-grandfather and great-grandmother, don't uncle, aunt, cousin, co-worker, friend. But know that the choice is your own. And take ownership of it. It's your choice. It's Christmas time, y'all. It's not a sad thing. It's an awesome thing. Because we see a choice made for us. God chose to send his son. His son chose to go. The Holy Spirit chose to do work. And now we can make a choice no matter what it is. I choose to follow the Lord. Uh, what did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That choice comes from the, own, from the Lord himself working. And it's good news. And it's invigorating. It shouldn't feel, and if it feels, maybe I'll say it like this, if, it, if this feels negative or like I'm coming down on you, maybe I am. <laughs> and, and if you're able to listen... Maybe that's the Lord. One more conversion story and then I'll pray. I was sharing the good news through some interesting parts of the scripture with an individual. Some of you might even know him. And he started to cry. He did not know the Lord. He was crying. He, he might have been frustrated at a sermon like this. Why is he coming down on me? At Christmas time no less. And I said, why are you frustrated if you don't care about God? You're making your own choice. Why are you crying if you don't know God? You're making your own choice. And he said, I don't know. Could you tell me? And I said, yes, I could. Let me tell you about Jesus. It's Christmas time, y'all. That is good news. And God's love that is limitless, that is a choice for you, gives us the opportunity to choose him. And when we do that, peace and joy and hope and contentment and love and faith. And indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ is not our definition, is not our feeling, is our experience that gets us through 71 plus. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. You're so good. And so, God, please be with us. Be with us as we rejoice. 
Be with us as we contemplate in conviction. God, convict us of our sin. Comfort us in the gospel. May we behold your glory. And may we be held in your grace. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.